0: This is Spin Control, a fiber craft podcast by a joyful girl.
1: Spin, turn a wheel. Make me some of your magic
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Spin Control, episode 134 Power Knitting. This, of course, is your host, Shiloh. In this episode, I've got some power knitting, as the name implies. A little tale for you about how I picked my next project. I'm gonna put my spin on the Weekender and the yarn I used. But of course, we will kick this all off with some updates. So since we last spoke, we celebrated Thanksgiving, which was pretty fantastic. Um, I felt super good about just the whole time that we spent together. Itty Bitty was actually in town for an entire week, which was great because I hadn't, you know, really gotten to spend any time with her in a while because she's away at school in Wyoming. Bird was only able to come down for like a day and a half because she had to work, but it was really, really good to see her. And yeah, the food was amazing. Um, so the boy decided we were going to smoke a turkey here at the house. So we hosted. My brother and his family came, and then it was just. Our little family, and it was pretty fantastic. Way too many leftovers for like the eight of us, but it was really, really good. And, um, yeah, so I've been having Thanksgiving in a bowl every day for lunch for the last week so we could get through those uh leftovers. And you know, thankfully, there were lots of my favorite bits left, but we're finally through that. Oh, I almost forgot. So, my Tanya was here for like the entire week, and that was pretty fantastic. I gave her the Sequoia spinning wheel on the day after Thanksgiving and she was so totally super stoked. I think I mentioned it before, it was the wheel that I taught her to spin on and she always, always loved it and I barely liked it. It is found a good home and yeah, and it's out of my craft room, it's no longer taking up room. So in the end, she is happy and I am happy and all is right with the world. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, so I've been thinking a lot about this lately. And how different it is like guiding and mentoring and supporting your children as they grow into adulthood. So here are the latest trials, issues, uh, support requirements for my children that just really blow my mind. I mean, you remember, if you have been a long time listener, how young my kids were when I started recording. It's been a really long time. so. Tomorrow, the boy and I will load ourselves into the family vehicle, drive to Wyoming, and help Itty Bitty move from Laramie, Wyoming, to Cheyenne, Wyoming, so she can be closer to her nursing program. So that's her big trial. She needs to move, and she needs us to help her lift things, or she'd probably take care of it herself. In addition, Bird. So the latest support requirement for Bird is she contacted me yesterday to ask if I would review the stock option documentation (laughs) that her new boss just offered her. She works for a very small company. I believe that they have four overhead employees, only one of which is full-time, and that is the owner CEO. And he I don't even think takes like a real full salary. He may pay his mortgage and things like that, but doesn't take a real salary because they're, they're literally a startup. She works anywhere from 25 hours a week to 40 hours a week, depending on how much stuff they have going on. But apparently there have been some really interesting stuff going on in the background with investors and profitability of the company and that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, so now she's got to consider stock options and her retirement plans. Yeah, so that's how far my kids have come since I started podcasting. I believe itty bitty was in first grade when I first started this. Is that insane? Ah, yeah, okay, so it's been a while, I guess. That's really, actually, it is 2022. I believe I started podcasting in 2010. So it's been like 12 years. Yeah, that's crazy. Maybe she wasn't in first grade. Maybe she was a little older. But she was definitely an itty-bitty, tiny little elementary school kid. And, like, so much has changed since then. And it just blows my mind. And that's the kind of stuff I think about all the time, like, around the holidays and things like that. So, yeah, that's kind of where we are in our life. So, people talk about empty nesting all the time. I don't have that problem. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it. The boy gets sadder about the fact that our daughters don't live with us than I do. To me, that just means I don't have to, you know, keep my stash behind lock and key because there's nobody else here to go like scrounging through it for their own projects. And I get my stuff back, right? And me and the boy are the only ones making messes and, and things like that. We started young, like we had the girls when we were 21 and 22 years old. And most people our age don't have kids as young as ours. When the girls were in school, most of their friends' parents were 10 years older than we are, and which I find hilarious. But now that I have my house back and have my freedom and freedom. I mean, I love my girls, but now that I'm no longer full-time parenting, it's pretty great that I'm younger than most of the other people in my situation. I like it a lot. We was I was just talking to somebody earlier today about the fact that when it comes to vacations and, you know, travel and things like that, I don't have to plan around children's schedules. I can literally go to Disney World during the quiet times when there are not a ton of children there because they're all in school. Not that I plan to go to Disney World, but I could if I wanted to and wouldn't have to take my daughters. They would be very mad at me if I went to Disney World and didn't take them. But the principle is the same. I don't have to plan my vacations around when children are available. I get to say, hey, we're going skiing the third week in January, if you're available, you can come. If not, we'll miss you. That's how I announce the things to my daughters when we're doing cool stuff like that. So so yeah, it's great when I get to spend holiday time with them. Pretty sure birds coming home for the whole week of Christmas. I talk to them every day because they call me all the time. But I'm really happy with the phase of my life that I'm in. And I think it's pretty cool. Well, that's really all I've got going on in updates. So I guess it's time to get this podcast started. And now it's on to spinning my wheels. So this episode is entitled power knitting, because that is the only thing I have gotten accomplished. I've been power knitting. I've been just knitting like every single day, lots and lots of knitting, which means that I finish things. So I had this master plan that like, oh, yeah, maybe uh me and my Tanya will, you know, start some spinning projects, blah. Nope, didn't happen. We didn't spin at all. We knit, which was pretty great because so my Tanya knit socks for her parents, which I don't do. But her dad has size 14 feet and she is re-knitting this pair of socks for him because apparently the first time she knit them, they Fit his foot perfectly, but they weren't tall enough. And because of the way she knit them and the needled the yarn and blah, 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 she decided that what she was going to have to do was rip the whole thing back and start again. Because I think she did top down. I'm like, dude, I totally would have found a way to knit additional on to the cuff instead of starting again. But she chose not to. <laughs> so, so there. So she spent a lot of time. Size 14 foot is a lot of sock knitting. But what I managed to get accomplished was the weekender sweater and it's blocked and I'm wearing it right now and it fits. There are some things I would probably do differently with it, but we will talk about that a little bit later (laughs) because really the follies are all mine. It has nothing to do with the pattern, but I'm going to spend more time later in the episode talking about the pattern and the yarn and that sort of stuff. And yeah, but I finished it. It's blocked and I'm wearing it and I'm very, very pleased with the way it fits. I also finished hat two and hated it and I proceeded to rip the entire thing out and that's okay because once I ripped it out, I stopped pondering what I could have done differently with it and actually conceptualized a a new way ahead. Like it just kind of came to me. I saw this hat on Instagram and went, you know what would be cool? And that's where I am with that. So, I wanted to cast on a new hat this weekend, but I don't think it's going to happen because I'm still in power knit mode, which means I'm trying to finish the things that I have on my needles, which means by the end of this weekend, I will have no projects on the needles. Yeah. So, I have less than a third of the scarf remaining, and that's all I've got left on the needles. And because we're driving from Central Colorado to Wyoming, and back this weekend, that means I will have plenty of time in the car for knitting. And it's fingering weight on larger needles, so it should go pretty fast now that I can dedicate myself to that, and it's still my little travel project, so I, we're talking like five hours minimum travel knitting time. So I should have no problems finishing this scarf this weekend, and then I'll have no projects on the needles. Yeah, so I've got future knitting. I am going to start the next version of Hat 2. I need to pick another travel project for once this one is done. And then I think I want to start another sweater. But I don't know what I'm going to do. My mind is kind of leaning toward a yoke sweater. I've done raglans in the past. And the weekender sweater was technically one with set-in sleeves. So I don't think I've, I've, no, I've never knit a yoke sweater, and that's kind of the way I'm leaning. I'm also kind of looking toward the swancho. Yeah, like the whole sweater poncho thing. So we'll have to see, we'll have to see which direction that goes. And I need to cast on a pair of socks, because I haven't knit a pair of socks in quite a while. So yeah, I've got some future knitting plans. And I've also been daydreaming about spinning a fleece. So when I was inventorying the fleece, I cracked open that gauntlet and it had the little sample right in there. And it was so beautiful, like the sheen of that finished little bit of yarn I had spun is just calling me. And I'm pretty excited about that. And that's really kind of what I've got going on, like in my whole future planning, right? So that's really where I'm at. I'm gonna finish this scarf, and then I will probably have some sort of cast on party and start several projects because I don't have anything else on my needles and I don't have any lingering unfinished spinning projects. I do have some sewing that is unfinished. I have some bags that are cut and just ready to be pieced together and have some zippers added. That's really the only like looming project I've got and that's been hanging out for a while. I doubt you who even recall when I mentioned it last. It's been a minute, but I'm not doing any gift knitting. For the holidays. I'm not doing any gift spinning. I'm not making anybody anything. Because those are the kind of deadlines that I don't really like to impart on myself. Um, I have done some gift knitting in the past. Nothing huge. But I'm not doing it. Not this year. Especially not this late in the game. It is December 2nd. And I'm not starting any holiday gift knitting. No way. Because that's, I mean, all of my time would be sucked up with power knitting, right? Because I would be on a tight deadline to get things finished and either shipped out or wrapped and ready to present on Christmas day. And I'm just not doing that. No matter how many times my older brother asks me to knit him alpaca socks, it's not going to happen. <laughs> he hasn't figured that out. But yeah, what else do I have on my little list to talk about? Nothing, nothing for spitting my wheels. So we will just have to see what the future holds. And now it's time to spin a tale and in this edition i want to talk to you a little bit about how i pick future projects some people are more calculated than i am some people quite literally will select a yarn in a pattern or select a pattern or select their yarn and then like plot it all out in writing about how they're going to approach the thing swatch take notes i don't do that that's not that's not really me. I'm more of a what-strikes-my-fancy kind of gal. And right now, because I just finished the Weekender, and it fits, and I like it, I'm kind of on a sweater kick. So how am I going to pick my next sweater? I like to patronize independent designers. But I don't always just seek to patronize independent designers. So I know Ravelry has been through some hullabaloo but there's still quite a few functions on Ravelry. And I use, just for reference, I primarily use Ravelry on my mobile. So I don't have any issues with bright lights or the harsh background or twitching graphics or any of those things that I know cause some people some problems. I primarily use it on my phone or my iPad in mobile. But the database search function pleases me quite a bit. I know I want to cast on a sweater by the time I record next. So I've already started going through a few things. One, I went through my queue and my favorites and I looked for sweaters. I used the advanced search function and I sorted by category sweater and I don't wanna make a cardigan just yet. Soon, but not yet. I wanna try a yoke sweater. So I narrowed down what I had in my queue and my favorites and didn't exactly find something that I felt I wanted to knit just yet. So the next thing I did was go into my library and start the same kind of narrowing, filtering kind of search. I will also go into all patterns and literally just narrow down all the hundreds of thousands of patterns that are in Ravelry using that same advanced database search function. Like, I would like a top-down yoke sweater, and I'm kind of thinking I want something cabled. So I'll look at stuff that has cables and stuff that doesn't have cables and go from there. Another approach that I will take to choosing my next project is looking in my yarn stash because I actually have several sweater quantities of yarn from several different sales <laughs> and events that I should probably start knitting through. And I have a variety of weights of yarn. I have some Aran weight, worsted weight, DK weight and possibly fingering weight batches of sweater quantities of yarn. So I can look in my stash and then find sweaters that meet the requirements for the stash yarn that I've got. Which I always find I'm like very proud of myself when I can actually find a pattern (laughs) that goes with something I've got in my stash. So when it comes to picking other things, that's a pretty large project. And something that I think if I finished knitting it and wasn't pleased with it and had to give away I'd be a little bit more disappointed so I think I take a little bit more care in trying to plan it out but there's no notes as we learned with the weekender there is also no swatching it's just me this is how I do it but I will take a little bit more care I may even swatch I may swatch for the next sweater I might do follow Elizabeth Zimmerman's um, tutelage and make a hat swatch, which is awesome, because if you're gonna spend the time knitting it, you might as well be able to wear it when you're done, right? So yeah, especially if it's a sweater in the round, knitting a hat would be perfect to figure out gauge, not just a random swatch. Some other smaller projects are totally different. I have tons of yarn that I love in my stash, and I typically, I do have a long list of saved patterns that I already own. Like they're, uh, the stuff I purchased or downloaded into Ravelry already, or it's in books that I own. I think if there was a sock knitting book published in the past 20 years, I own it. And I should probably, actually, that's probably what I should do. I should probably go to my knitting library and knit from one of my pattern books. How novel is that? Oh my gosh, I'm blowing my own mind right now. I know. I'm crazy. I love books. I just absolutely love books. But I have to make a conscious effort to go into my library and select something that I have. I have actually gone through most of my knitting books and marked patterns that I wanted to make. Not every book has got every pattern. Not every pattern in every book I own is on my list to be knit. That's a rarity. Maybe that's one of the things I'll consider for this coming year. Is to actually knit from my library how cool would that be oh my gosh from my library and my stash mind blown i would actually really like to hear about how other people select their knitting projects because i'm kind of uh on the whim you know it would be cool or ooh look at that shiny thing that's kind of how i select what i'm gonna knit next and the yarn i buy which i should definitely be more calculated with the yarn i buy thankfully my knitting group periodically will do swaps. So we will literally take our unloved items and go to like the local library in a conference room and lay everything out and just kind of rummage sale it. And it's a swap. The word swap is used loosely because you don't have to necessarily contribute something to take something away. If you're taking something away, it's doing someone else a favor by getting it out of their stash and sending it to someone who's going to use it, theoretically, because I have like four or five balls of yarn that I haven't used yet, that I got in one of those swaps. So yeah, I really wanna know how other people select projects for knitting. Sometimes I take the what is in my stash approach and find a pattern that works with a yarn I really wanna work with. Sometimes I take the, I really have a desire to make this product, and then I either locate a yarn in my stash that will work with that product or buy it but i'm not a note taker i'm not necessarily a big planner or swatcher or taking notes in a notebook kind of person like if you go to my ravelry projects page i have pictures of just about everything i've made but are there like detailed notes inside of those projects that would help another person <laughs> in their plan? no mm not good at it. I should be better at it. I'm organized. Like, so at work, I'm really super organized. Okay. That's maybe a little fib. I'm pretty organized. If someone needs help with something and needs to find something, I bet I've got it saved, filed away in either my documents folders or in my inbox for my email, because I save everything and take notes and build a little list. But that isn't always the case when it comes to my knitting. I'm just not that calculated. And it really goes back to the year like being intentional. And I'm trying to be better because this is a craft that I love and I spend a great deal of time doing it. And I think that I would like to be a hundred percent satisfied with everything I produce. And maybe approaching it with some intent would help me with that. So if you have the opportunity to share, I would love to hear from anyone out there who wants to share. How do you approach picking your future projects and the plans that you make before you even cast on i'd love to hear about it and that's what i've got in my little story for today and now i'm going to put my spin on the weekender by andrea Mowry. the weekender as you may or may not know is a bottom up seamless sweater it's a pullover and if i needed to sum up this pattern I would have to say that i really enjoyed knitting it and i believe i will knit it again and i highly recommend it and it's a wildly popular pattern i purchased it from her on ravelry and what i liked the most about the sweater was that i mean it was pretty basic but i definitely have to give her some props in some areas one i probably would have never tried a tubular cast on without the sweater I absolutely love the tubular cast on. It gave such a clean edge on the bottom ribbing that it is just gorgeous. And another thing that she did that I am so thankful for is she actually published a YouTube tutorial on how to do the tubular cast on for the one by one ribbing. And her instructions were great because I had never done it before. I think I had to do the cast on twice just because it was definitely very new for me, but the tutorial was so super helpful. And I got to learn a new technique that I really, really enjoyed. She also used the tubular bind off at the neck and the sleeves, which gives that same clean look, but it's essentially just Kitchener stitching the bind off edge after you do a couple rounds of setup. And that also turned out super clean and beautiful. So you don't get the the chain looped edging that you would during using a standard bind off. So I really enjoyed trying those two things for the first time. Also, I really want to give her props for designing this sweater to be knit inside out because it is essentially a reverse stockinette, but you knit it stockinette and you're knitting for on the inside. So, like the wrong side is always facing you. So it made it super easy to knit because it was all knit stitches and it was wonderful. Her explanations for the bind off and the short rows for the shoulder shaping and the neck were clear and wonderful, and I was super skeptical as I was knitting because I didn't do a swatch that it wasn't going to fit, but I blocked it, and I'm wearing it today, and it fits beautifully, and I am so super pleased. I think the only thing I wish her notes or pattern would have included was the direction in which you do the three-needle bind-off on the shoulders. So it has a three-needle bind-off And the bind-off edge actually faces outward. But because it's an exposed seam and a three-needle bind-off, you get the chain loops. So as I was thinking about it, I decided that I was going to start on the neck edges for both sides, for both shoulders, so that the loops went the opposite directions down my shoulders, and so the sweater was symmetrical. I think that if if I hadn't put any thought into it, I don't think it would have made any visible difference because the loops aren't that big. But for me, I just kind of knew that I wanted them to go in opposite directions so that the sweater was symmetrical. But the notes don't include anything about that. I'm like, well, which which where am I supposed to start? Do I start at the shoulder? Or do I start at the neck? So I decided to start at the neck for both of those and work my way out to the shoulder so that it's symmetrical. That was the only thing that I felt the pattern was missing. And I really enjoyed it. It fits well. It's a comfy, loose sweater. Because I didn't gauge but that's okay because you know it's kind of my thing these days and I just really like the sweater I highly recommend it and I think I'm going to knit it again one of the reasons I want to knit it again is because of the yarn that I chose for this sweater so as I mentioned in my picking my next project section sometimes I will select a yarn that's in my stash and then go from there. Sometimes I will select a pattern and then dig in my stash. I selected the pattern and then I dug in my stash and I selected some Lion Brands yarn jeans. And Lion Brand yarn jeans is 100% acrylic. I believe the name of this yarn is jeans because it has a denim looking finish to it, but they can't call it denim because it doesn't have any cotton in it. It's literally 100% acrylic, but they did a really good job. So it's mildly marled, like with a little bit of white in it, as if it was cotton thread and denim jeans. So hence the name. I love the coloring. I picked the color because that's the color of, well, I picked this yarn out of my stash because that's the color of sweater I wanted. And I really want to know what this sweater would be like in a wool yarn. Well, the drape is definitely not going to be the same in the way that it blocks and finishes is not the same because this is 100% acrylic yarn. I really liked working with the yarn. I liked the finished look of it. The drape is definitely something that I think I would adjust a little bit because like the sleeves definitely did not hold their shape a little, they're a little longer than I would like them. And I think that's because of the way that it blocked out. So I've gotten two comments, one from my Tanya and one from my spouse about how gigantic my boobs look in this sweater. <laughs> but I think that's just because of the way this acrylic drapes. So it drapes over my breasts and then it like kind of clings to my body because it doesn't really hold the shape that it was blocked into, if that makes sense. But yeah, that's the yarn. I really like the way it looks. I don't think it's going to wear as well as a wool yarn would and the drape is definitely not the same. And I really would like to see what this, how this pattern would turn out in 100% wool yarn or a wool blend to see really how different it is. But I liked it. Easy to work with, it's very soft and cozy, but yeah, really the drape was the only complaint I had about it. Well, it's a little bit splitty. So it is, here, I have a little scrap of it sitting here next to me. It's multiple plies, which is how I think they got such great color color depth. And it's a six-ply yarn, but it was very, very splitty because it's not wool. It doesn't hold together the way a six-ply wool yarn would. So it was a little splitty that caused me a couple of problems here and there, but overall, I like this, I just think I would like to see how this sweater would turn out in a wool yarn. And I think in order to do that and see the variation, what I will do is not swatch, just like I did with this one, use the same exact needle sizes and knit the same instructions that I did. So let's talk about that for a second. I'm flipping the pages of the pattern so I could give you very specific details. So, finished bust circumference, ranges in size, 39 and a half inches to 72 and a half inches it is built to have approximately 10 inches of positive ease i think i'm there so i was like totally freaking out i think i forgot that that's how much positive ease it was supposed to have so if it has 10 inches of positive ease it's intended for a bus size bus sizes of 29 and a half inches to 62 and a half inches but i think if you wanted less ease in the sweater you could easily put the largest size on a larger body. And the instructions are great. What else? Yeah, so she knit her suggested yarn in the pattern is a hundred percent Targi Columbia wool. So definitely, definitely a hundred percent wool yarn is what she chose for the recommendation. And I think I want to try that. We'll probably have to see what I've got in my stash and I may end up making another one of these very soon. So again Overall, I really, really enjoyed knitting the Weekender so much, I will probably knit it again. The only follies for this sweater were execution errors I made and yarn decisions I made. And that is my spin on the Weekender. Well, it looks like it is time to spin off this episode of Spin Control. Thank you all for joining me again. I really enjoyed sharing everything I've got going on with you guys. Um, So some future planning. You've heard about my future knits and future spinning. But I wanted to let you guys know that I recently published a blog post about my experience with taking classes with Maggie Casey. I know by now you probably understand how much I adore Maggie Casey. But that brought me to something. If you are not aware, Maryland Sheep and Wool Festival is hosting winterfest january 28th and 29th of 2023 and registration is open now so winterfest actually is a series of online courses that this event i think they hosted last year for the first time and i've heard very positive things about the interface that they use to host the online classes and there are classes from a number of different instructors in knitting and spinning a few other crafts. But if you haven't had the opportunity to take a class with Maggie Casey and you'd like to give it a try, she has several different offerings. In addition to classes from Jillian Marino, Esther Rogers, and I may try out a Jillian Marino class because I've never taken anything with her before and I think that'd be pretty cool. There are also several different offerings for knitters. If you are a singular craft focused person there's definitely plenty of knitting courses offered as well so i've heard a lot of good things about the way that they host the classes and i'm definitely going to go take a look and see if i'm going to register for any of that stuff here soon before all the classes close that would be just tragic if i didn't get my name on the list right all right so that's all i've got going on this week thank you all again i'm going to try to dig out the full version of the song that I use in my introduction and see if I could play that whole thing at the tail end of this episode. If I can't locate it on my computer hard drive, then, I don't know, it's gonna be a crapshoot of what song leads us out, so we'll see. Hopefully, it is the spinning song and all is right with the world. By the time you're hearing this, you will know. As always, you can get the details about this episode and all the past episodes at spincontrolpodcast.com. You can email me at Shiloh at foreverhandmade.com Catch me on Ravelry and social media as Forever Handmade. Thanks again, guys. I'll talk to you soon.